We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Window Nation is the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com for the best deal of the year. Uh, Tommy, I feel a little bit stupid, and I'm going to tell you why, because I think you were in on this as well. We both said before the Wizards opened up the season a few weeks ago, is this really a team that's going to be the worst team in the league? <laughs> like, I mean, they've got Jordan Poole and they've got Kyle Kuzma and they've got Tyus Jones and Gafford and Avdia. You know, are they really going to be the worst team? Like, I people want them to be, you know, a 19-20 win team so that they've got the best chance of getting the number one overall pick. And we do this for a couple of years and we acquire all these picks. And by the year 2037, maybe they're a contender. But I was wrong, and I think you were wrong too, when we thought maybe they wouldn't be one of the worst teams in the league this year because they truly suck. I mean, they're horrible. And last night... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, there's no excuse for me. I mean, I never pay attention to them, (laughs) give them any credit. I expect the worst from this organization, because that's what they pretty much delivered in various forms. So there's really no excuse for me. It was one conversation I had with an NBA scout that screwed me up. Oh, really? That was it. You want to tell us about it? Can you tell us who that person is? No, I can't. Okay. I can't tell you who it is, but uh, he convinced me that this team could be interesting. Mm-hmm. He convinced me that Jordan Poole <laughs> uh, was a good player uh-huh. and a smart player to boot. Uh-huh. You know, He didn't tell me that he was just going to be another version of Nick Young. So that's, that's how I got suckered in. You just took one NBA, maybe a low-level scout, and just went with it. That was How many it. conversations do you have with NBA scouts? Uh, I have conversations with NBA people, but I came up with this. I have nobody to blame because I came up with this all on my own. <laughs> I I said it last year after the trades. I'm like, really? They're pay- paying Kyle Kuzma? They 
Jordan Poole. I mean, I, I understand what sort of the intention of all of it is. It's not to build a winner with these players, but in, in true tank mode, you don't want guys that could potentially average 30 points a game and, you know, keep you competitive. Well, look, I mean, they are just awful. And I'm not even watching it, and I can tell you that they're awful. Last night, though, the reason that I sort of opened with this as a topic is that Joel Embiid last night in the third quarter against the Wizards scored a franchise Philadelphia 76ers record 29 points in the quarter. He had 48 for the game. But 29 came in the third quarter, most ever in franchise history for a quarter. But here's the best part of it. He was 10 of 10 from the floor and 9 of 9 from the free throw line. He didn't miss. I mean, you got I mean, you got to be horrible to give up 29 to one player in a quarter. They You really do. 146 oh, to 120. They got one big They got one big guy, Daniel Gafford, and uh He's typically in foul trouble, you know, and that's it. That's it. Uh, and that's it on our conversation of the Wizards. 146-128 <laughs> one, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Josh Harris's team. Josh Harris's team. And Josh Harris's current head coach is pretty fond of his quarterback, as am I. Um, this came from Bill on... Bill emailed me this because I cut and pasted it. So it was an email that I got from Bill. And Bill just said, Kevin, I could hear your, as you called it, giddiness. I'm right there with you looking at the NFC landscape. I think they're going to end up in the playoffs. Uh, Bill got into a bunch of other things on what I said about Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy yesterday. Um, I did admit yesterday, Tommy, that I was... Giddy, I I know I mentioned the word giddy uh, only because of this. And let me be clear on this. I can't stand when the season's over kind of before it starts. And we've had a bunch of those over the years. I love the months of November and December and January with football and holidays. and, and And I like to have a team that I've got to sit here and talk about every day playing meaningful games. And I think the win over New England on Sunday gave them a chance to do that. And it wasn't just that they beat New England because New England is not a very good team. It's that for a second consecutive week, they actually played really well and looked really good on offense. And Sam Howell looked really good on offense as the quarterback. And, you know, could they get to Thanksgiving five and six? Sure, because they've got the Giants in two weeks. And that would be a big game. Could they get to December and have a big game against Miami or after the bye week against the Rams and the Jets in back-to-back weeks where you would be looking at those games maybe as potentially winnable to get into the playoff race? Yeah, all those things are in play because the NFC isn't that great. But let me just make one thing clear that I know I did not make clear on the podcast yesterday. I actually think it's not only possible – Um, but that it would be so good 
to be able to continue, because we're all in on continuing to evaluate and watch Sam Howell. Right, Tommy? Nobody wants to see Jacoby Brissett at this point. We've seen enough right. good no. from Sam Howell. We want to see the, yes, him play no. the rest of the season. Absolutely. So I yes, want to see. 100%. I want to see these games that he plays in later in the year be meaningful games for his team. I think it's a better evaluation. I, I, that's why I was never hell-bent on declaring anything after one game at the end of last year, which was completely meaningless for Washington. They didn't even play all of their best players. in Dallas, for all the, the grief that some of you have given me about saying that Dallas looked checked out, they did. Because Philly wasn't going to lose to the Giants. The Giants had nothing to play for. Philly jumped out to a big lead, and the game pretty much became meaningless for the Cowboys, even though technically before the day started, if they won and the Eagles lost, they could have won the division. But the Eagles weren't going to lose that game. Anyway, it would be awesome to see a Thanksgiving Day game in a couple of weeks with 5-6 and six Washington and Dallas, who, you know, they get the Giants and the Panthers the next two weeks, so they'll probably be 7-3. and three. Um, it, Imagine if they beat Seattle this week. Then that would be a, a really, really big game because they'd be, uh, you know, potentially on a three-game winning streak. But then you get into December, you know, it'd be nice to be able to turn the TV on on Christmas Eve to watch them play the Jets and understand that, hey, if they win this game – you know, they're sitting there at seven and eight or eight and seven with a chance to snag the last playoff spot. I'd rather see Sam play those games, you know, down the stretch than play a bunch of games with them pretty much eliminated. Um, and it also would be better for me. And not just for the podcast and for the radio show and for Tommy's columns. It just, to me, it's more fun. And I had somebody actually tweet me, and I was looking for it as I was just speaking, to say you know, that, that, that I said yesterday I'm more interested in the moment or the present than the future. Understand what I meant was what I just described. When I'm in the middle of a season, I just would prefer you know games that matter versus those that don't. If this thing starts to go south, I'll be rooting for the best possible draft choice too. And I'm not rooting for Ron Rivera and company to come back. And I don't think a playoff spot as a seven seed would bring him back. I think that ship let is sailed. Point, let me just point out, mm-hmm. only three coaches in the 21st century that made the playoffs have been fired. I know. The last one was the Titans It doesn't coach. happen very yeah. often. Right. Malarkey got fired after they took the Titans to the playoffs. Who else? Who are the other two? Do you know? Who did you say? Uh, Malarkey got fired after he took the Titans well, to the Tony playoffs. Well, Tony Dungy got fired. Okay. And who else? And I don't know who the third one is. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a risk. It's it's a risk mm, that you're going to have him back. I don't think so. The risk, the risk would be playing playoff games means if somehow you won a couple of them, but they're not going to win a couple playoff games. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. I mean, the NFL changes. I mean, you know, every starting quarterback in the NFC in the the last two weeks of the season could get injured, and all of a sudden they could do something. But I don't think that Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, and that staff is coming back. I don't think Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and that staff is coming back. I think it's, you know. It would be hard to believe if they did, but circumstances can spin out of control. 
They can only spin out of control if the owner allows them to spin out of control. He's the one that gets to make the choice. He can make Ron Rivera the fourth coach in the NFL in what, what did you say, this century? To be fired after making the playoffs. First of all, they're still a long shot to make the playoffs, okay? And I and I was looking at something earlier today. Um, they have of the teams that I would consider to be teams in the NFC that will be fighting for that la- last playoff spot. Washington has by far and away the toughest remaining schedule as of now. They have the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Cowboys twice, the Seahawks. They have to play the Jet defense. I mean, the Jet defense last night held Justin Herbert to the worst game of his career, and they lost by three touchdowns because, my God, is Zach Wilson terrible. Um, Washington has two games that they might be favored in against the Giants and the Rams as of now. And then the teams they're, they're fighting with, you know, teams like Minnesota and the two teams in the NFC South that don't win the division, they have much easier schedules as it appears now especially that NFC South, in part because they play each other. Um, so they're probably not going to make it anyway. Just give me, I'll tell you what, a win over Seattle Sunday would really change the conversation about the current. The current team in this year, especially well, of course it if would, Sam plays then, well again. Then you've got the Giants, which you, you know is going to probably be a win. I mean, it's not the same Giants team that beat, beat you earlier in the season. No. So it could uh, be. Yes. Yeah, if they beat Seattle, uh five and five, six and five, they go into that Dallas game with a six and five record. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor too got placed on that that four game injured reserve, so he's not going to Yes get, he did. So the so they're not gonna face him. They're gonna face probably this guy DeVito, who is even worse than yeah. Zach Wilson. So um yeah. But is anyone worse than Mac Jones? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact I, I said not it, many. Uh, I said it on the podcast. I I was pleasantly um, surprised at how I believe the Mac Jones thing has been completely exaggerated after watching him Sunday and then and also watching the Dolphins game to sort of prepare for the shows last week. That is not Mac Jones isn't good. Don't get me wrong. He's not a good quarterback. He's got nothing. He is a fast processor. That ball gets out quickly. He's not super accurate all the time, I'll give you that, but he's nowhere near as bad as what's been portrayed, which is why they keep playing him. And I, th- I see why now um, after watching the, the, him play the last two games. You talk about a team that has no offensive weapons. That team <laughs> stinks on offense. I yeah, mean, they, they don't have one. They're not much better on defense right now. Not now because of their injuries. That's true. Matthew Judon right. being, being out was is a was a big loss for them. Um, yeah, but I actually I actually thought Mac Jones was. I sat there and I'm like, man, you can see guys that understand what's going on and 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 get it out quick. He just doesn't have anybody to throw to. 
He just has nobody to throw to, nobody who's open. But, you know, they didn't sack him on Sunday. I don't think it was because necessarily Chase Young and, and Sweat weren't there, although it didn't help that they weren't there. I just don't think they had many opportunities because the, the the dude gets rid of the ball, um, you know, quickly. Uh, but anyway, enough about Mac Jones. What did you think of the game? Let me hear what you thought of the game. Okay. Let me just point out that uh, the commander's record of four and five, their four wins are against teams with a 10 and 25 record. I pointed that out yesterday. Great job. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and by so, the way, all four so, of them were close. Yes. And, I mean, to play that team on Sunday and to beat them 20 to 17, it shouldn't have been so hard. It just should not. I, I get any team can beat anybody, but that Patriots team is really bad. I mean, that's not even the Patriots team that won the two games they won this year. Yeah, it was def- and, defensively it wasn't, and they didn't have Kendrick yes. Bourne at wide receiver either. They were missing pieces, yes. no doubt. Yeah, yeah, missing pieces. Yep, you're right. They didn't have their best wide receiver out there. Right. So, uh, and he's not it was player. hard for me. Look, Sam Howe was very impressive. Put up impressive numbers. Nothing different in the sense that we've all we'd all agree he can make all the throws. I think I think he has proven that, right. you know, and he made some brilliant ones uh, on on Sunday. But you got to take into account the the, the the opposition. You can't just ignore it. You can't tune it out. Who is are people tuning out the fact that they beat a team that was well? Two they and just six? they think that this. You know, they they're just looking at the numbers and saying, and and you know, and you know his his plays, and just saying, you know, this is the guy. And my column in the Washington Times uh, today says he is a guy, not the guy. They found a quarterback. They didn't necessarily find the quarterback yet, and they should keep looking for the quarterback. But Rod Rivera, you know, <laughs> and we've talked about this before, to deflect attention after uh, uh, away from his two biggest screw-ups, you know, the Carson Wentz trade, and then, you know, his, his top draft pick, Chase Young, being traded away for a third-round pick, keeps promoting this guy as the guy, the future, for the next five to ten years. Oh, there is no doubt. Uh, we talked about this last week, and and yes, then we have, and then he and then he 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 did it again yesterday. Ron Rivera's yeah. press conferences recently, even when there isn't a question about Sam Howell, he talks about Sam Howell, and yeah. this is you know this goes back to what we talked about in January, and Ben was the first one to say. This is all, you know, a move to deflect all of the attention from the the way in which the season ended. Um, ben had a really good line. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up uh, in his story about Sam Howell and Ron Rivera. Ron, Ron right now, it, it, it's because look. Sam's making him look good. You know, this could have gone yeah. the other way. So fortunately for him, it's actually worked out. But I don't know if the intention from the jump 
or the expe- expectation from the jump was that it would work out necessarily. But you're going to love this line. Um, ben Ben basically, you know, wrote, um, you know, that, that's, that, you know, the belief in, in how from everybody out there and, and, uh, Rivera's mentioned Rivera mentions the roster's promising young quarterback by rote these days. It happens so frequently, even when the topic isn't about how, that over the past three weeks he's probably heard back at least once, Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And you, but what he, good. here's the best part about it. He didn't know because I he he te- he texted me and he said, "You got to read my column. There's going to be a line in here that you're going to really like." And so I I texted him back and I said, "Oh my god, I love that line. That's really funny." And he goes, "Which one are you talking about?" I said, "Sir, this is a Wendy's, you know, from the office." And he goes, "Oh." That's where I got it from. It was just hanging around in my memory, sir. This is a Wendy's, <laughs> and he didn't even he couldn't place where it was. But I'm glad you got it immediately too, because that's funny. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Michael Scott starts dialing for dates, and he's got some numbers that have been given to him, and he's got a number for a Wendy, and he calls, and you know, and he's talking, <laughs> thinks he's talking to Wendy, and then finally the person on the other line says. Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> and then I think he says something like, you know, I'll take a single with cheese and a um, you know, and a and a frosty. I think that's what he said, something like that. Whatever. Yeah. But yes. Well, he that's just a great came... line. I and I point out in my yeah. column just like you said. Uh, you know, I lift I took one of his quotes and put it in my column and pointed out right after that, you know, when he talks about Sam Howe, no one had asked him about that. Right, House. right. That wasn't the question. Yeah, but Tommy and uh, I just, I just, I just put the brakes on on the Sam Howe uh, parade. I don't want to diminish what he's done and what he can be, and he may be the guy. But there's no way that these, this owner is going to walk in here, have their own coach, their, their own new general manager, and I think just accept. Sam Howe as the quarterback for the future. Oh, I'm, you know, I, I, I pointed out last week, yesterday, even though I think, the, Tommy, yesterday I said, because I know you didn't listen to the podcast, and I haven't read your column yet, and I will, because now I can't wait to read it. I do, although let me just mention, somebody called me on the show yesterday and said, you got everybody riled up with something that you tweeted about C.J. Stroud? Well, I said, I, I pointed out, you know, that Sam Howe is a quarter. You know, if you want to find a quarterback, you can find quarterbacks in the draft if, you, if you're in the drafting of the right position. Yeah. And I pointed out C.J. Howe. Now that's a quarterback. C.J. Stroud, yeah. Um, so yesterday, and I, I thought this as I was watching it on Sunday, and then I went back and I looked at some different, you know, quarterbacks that have been here since you know who left, Cousins. Um, the two games that Sam Howell just played against Philadelphia and New England are the two best and most promising games played by a quarterback since Kirk was here. I, I don't. That, that's true. And so I now. 
I also think that Eric Bieniemy gets a shitload of credit for it. I think Eric Bieniemy and Ron even pointed out, you know, the balance and EB, you know, kind of has seen the light here. That's not what he said, but that's what he was implying. Um, but uh, two best games back-to-back by a quarterback here in six years. The other thing, too, is that for the first time in a long, long time since Kirk was here, they have actually looked like a legitimately good offensive football team. You know, we have seen some bad offensive football here for uh, for many years. You know, there have been the occasional games here or there, but we've seen some bad offensive football here for five years for the most part. And the last two games, they're averaging 458 yards, 25 and a half points, 55% on third down, over six yards per play. And it it looks like a an offense that has a chance because remember, the giant game was hideous. It was a debacle, and it was only two weeks ago. And I pointed that out yesterday. The reason I'm not in a rush to anoint anybody anything at this point is we're just two weeks removed from one of the worst offensive performances you'll ever see against an NFL team and completely ill-prepared. And we've seen this quarterback have some rough days this year. But the last two weeks, if they play this kind of football, the way they have dialed it up and planned and called it. They have some good players on offense. I'm not minimizing the offensive line change that that, that, that they made. I think it makes and has made a difference, and Doc pointed out the reasons why yesterday on the podcast, why it's made a difference specifically with Larson at center. Um, yeah. But we're seeing like a real NFL offense. You know, not Cincy's or Kansas City's or Miami's. Not saying that. And I am kind of comparing it to the past, but um, it was was fun to watch them do it. And they make mistakes. He makes mistakes. But, you know, young quarterbacks make mistakes. They throw interceptions. I put that one on Ron at the end of the half. Uh, I don't – I thought Ron not calling a timeout was just so stupid. I have no idea. Really was. I just uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Sometimes you know what would be good if he carried around a clipboard or a piece of paper or something to make it look like he's doing something on the sideline. You know, even Belichick has a little notepad yeah. he has in his hand that he scribbles in. Right. I mean, I think it's maddening for fans to sit there and watch all this going on, and for just him to sit there with his arms folded. He needs something to carry. He needs a clipboard. Uh, back to your point and the the conversation about Ron constantly going to Sam. It's going to get old here quickly if it hasn't already because propping himself up week by week as if he was the guy that picked Sam Howell, believed in Sam Howell all along, like, remember the quote from before the season about he will feel vindicated if he leaves this team yeah. with 40 of its 53 players that win a Super Bowl, send me my ring, and the quarterback. He didn't even know that the quarterback was any good before the season finale. Had to be talked into playing him by Taylor Heineke. And there's the story 
about on his way home from the Dallas game with his wife going, I had no idea. Like, so if he continues to to, to really inflate his, his influence over the Sam Howell stuff, especially now when it is way too premature to do it, as you pointed out, I'm not rushing to declare anything. Many of you have. Many of you have going back to the Dallas game last year or the Baltimore preseason game. Okay, I'm I'm not doing that yet for Beanie or for Hal. Uh, what's What's encouraging is just the incredible progress the last two weeks from the Giant game. That is really encouraging, and we've always known that he's got the physical abilities, but. He still leads the league in sacks with 41, and he got sacked three times Sunday. Let's not forget about that either. Um, but, I mean, Ron, have a little self-awareness, Ron, okay? We remember that you had to be talked into playing him against the Cowboys. And if you're, if you're going to try to go out here with, I'm the guy that left you with Sam Howell, don't do it now. Don't start peacocking after, you know, nine games in which he still has like the 20th best QBR in the league. All right. Um, and, and don't think that we're going to forget that you had that. First of all, you traded back out of the fourth round. It wasn't like you guys were thrilled and, you know, oh, we got Sam Howell's there. Should we take him now? No, no. You traded back in the fourth round when you said you had a second round or first round grade on him. It's just stop, okay? Stop already. It's fine to talk about your good young quarterback and the incredible job that your offensive coordinator and Ken Zampezi and Tavita Pritchard and everybody's doing with him because you are a CEO coach. That's been very clear since, uh, you know, certainly the last couple of years. Your involvement in Sam Howell's development or in Sam Howell being here is flimsy in terms of it being significant. So, and then, by the way, don't take a victory lap right now. You're just two weeks removed from a hideous, hideous outing from a guy that couldn't see anything that was coming. So... I am encouraged, though, by Sam, but just talking about Rivera now, I'm just starting to think, my God, enough already with going to the – because it's transparent. What he's doing is he's trying to – It's very transparent. Yeah. Take credit for this, and it's not even time to take credit for it. Anyway. I know. He's played well, though, the last two games, man. He's played really well. He played well. He can make some throws. they may have – a franchise quarterback, but you 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 have to be blind to think that uh, the owners are going to the new owners are just going to sit back and say, "Oh yeah, okay, we have five picks in the first three rounds, but we're going to stick with this guy." No. Oh, you mean the quarterback? Oh, um, yes. I well, I hope it's not the owners making the decision. I hope it's the football person that they hire that makes the decision. And the you know, and the coach that he hires, I want a normal organization. General manager, general manager hires coach. General manager decides if this is the quarterback of the future or not. Tommy, here's the one thing I would say: it's trending in the direction right now, and it's only November seventh, that a general manager more likely than not is going to come in and say, 
we're riding with Sam Howell at least for next year. And I'll tell you why. Because the, you know, this is another Ron Rivera, like he was revealing something in the offseason about, you know, a rookie, uh, a, a quarterback on a rookie deal. But it is true that general managers salivate at the needle in the haystack, you know, opportunity to have a fifth round quarterback on a rookie deal and all of the cap space that they'll have to build something around a guy if they if I mean they may talk themselves into it even if they're kind of 50-50 on it because this opportunity just doesn't present itself very often where you you can't extend him now you have to wait until after the third year of a rookie deal to extend him so you've got him on this rookie $900,000 a year deal if he continues to play the way the way he's played the last 2 weeks they're not going to be in a position to draft anybody super high. But I'll tell you what, my position would be if we continue to see the up and down nature versus the more consistent of the last two weeks, I'm going to be thinking about quarterback in the draft, and there are going to be a lot to choose from in the top half, top 20 yeah. picks maybe. Yes, there will be. Um, I think there will be. Listen. I wanted to talk to you about something else. Do we have time now? We can do it in the next segment. You want to do it in the next segment? Okay. Okay, let's wait yeah, for that. Yeah, I want to talk about Magic Johnson. Okay, I, I just I, – I, the, the you reminding me of the Ron Rivera just going – I mean, not even asked about it. It's starting to irritate me just because <laughs> I know what's going through his mind. I said it to you last week on Thursday. I said, this guy isn't even – everything's about Sam. Everything's about Sam, and there's legitimate reason. Like he's not exaggerating it right now. He may have been, you know, you know. It's so so funny about the Sam conversation. Now, you know, what did you say? A guy or the guy? Did he say the yeah. guy? Oh yeah. Okay. So now it's the guy. But a couple of weeks ago, when he was answering questions about Sam, because he was still going to Sam and the young quarterback, it was about. We do have a young quarterback, and we believe in him. But you know, we gotta we gotta see this thing. You know, and now all of a sudden, after two weeks after the Giant game, he's the guy. Look, there yeah. are reasons to be encouraged right now. I think you heard it if yep, you didn't listen are. to my podcast yesterday and my breakdown of the game. Um, I am encouraged for sure, and there are lots of things to like. I still think he's got a fatal flaw, but that fatal flaw really gets masked by an offensive coordinator who calls the kind of game that he's called the last two weeks, which, by the way, is a lot of what the NFL has now. It's a lot of West Coast, a lot of quick game, a lot of slants, lots of bubbles, lots of screens. You know, by the way, Ron's getting excited about the running game coming back into uh, into the uh, picture as it did on, on Sunday. But um, I, I just – you're not going to fool us, Ron – you're not going to fool the people who have been paying attention. This wasn't your guy. You didn't even know that he could play the way he did against Dallas, which, by the way, was just okay. And then you immediately label them QB1, and you've been riding him all off season, and now you're doing the same thing into the season. You know, it's it, it was deflection to start, 
And now it's like, look at what I am leaving you guys with. In fact, well, why would you want me to leave you with him? Why don't I just stay with him? Yeah. It really ramped up last week following the trades. Well, because he also played really well up. against the Eagles. Yeah. It ramped up after they made the trades was when he consistently brought up Sam Howell and no one asked about Sam Howell. Right. All right. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Tommy's got something he wants to talk about. Chase Young, if you didn't hear his press oh, yeah. conference, said a couple of things about his former team. Uh, we'll get to all of it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the show is brought to you by our good friends at Surfside. Uh, your favorite spot for tacos in D.C. is making it easier than ever to feed your family fast. Lots of family time is coming up this season, and Surfside's fajita boxes are here to make your dinners easy. On the go or on your way home, they are the best way to feed your crew with a meal everyone will love. Fajita chicken, it's so good. Steak is outstanding. The veggies are great. All the fixings in a convenient grab-and-go box. Thinking ahead, hop online to order a fajita box in advance. On the fly, fajita boxes can be ready in minutes flat and delivered straight to your door. Learn more 
at surfsidedc.com. And just to mention, they dropped off one of these fajita boxes to me a week ago. Uh, it was on the weekend, and they are so good. Uh, the steak is phenomenal. The fajita chicken is so good. And we had those things all day long. And then I made a breakfast fajita the following morning with steak and eggs. That was really good. SurfsideDC.com. All right, Tommy, what did you want to uh, present for discussion? Well, after the game Sunday, uh, Magic Johnson, one of the minority owners uh, in the new group, uh, made a series of about four or five tweets about the game. And uh, Kendall Baker, who runs Yahoo Sports AM newsletter, and uh, he, which is a great newsletter, I recommend it to everybody listening, uh, he pointed this out, that these, these sound a lot like they were generated by AI, not like they were written by a real person. Quote, quarterback Sam Howe did well executing the game plan. He threw for over 300 yards his third game this season. Right. Coach Rivera had the team ready to play, and Coach Eric Bieniemy called an excellent game. He was creative on offense and switched between runs and passes. You know? I mean, these, if but, you read these, uh, this, this is not a real person typing this. Well, didn't... These are AI-generated. Well, I thought it obviously wasn't you who told me this. So, <clears throat> in conversation about Magic Johnson's tweets a few weeks ago, I said, I mean, Magic's one of my all-time favorite athletes, but is there a bigger, you know, master of the obvious in his tweeting and magic. Like it's, I mean, yeah, we, we know, we know they weren't ready for the game and played poorly against Chicago. And then somebody mentioned this to me that apparently he does not write his tweets, that he conveys sort of his feelings about something. And then that he's got somebody that tweets for him. That's what I was told well, these, by these somebody, even, and I can't remember who it was now. These aren't even a real person. This is not, not that there's any shame in AI. Well, I, I think there is, but most people probably don't. Uh, I mean, you can't even, you know, have a human being type up a, a, a tweet about the team you own. But I think these are AI generated. It just looks a little foolish, I thought. If, yeah, I, but, but. What about, I can't remember who told me this, but it's possible that somebody who's not a big sports fan and just, he said, you know, Magic says, yeah, you know, Rivera and Biennemi called great games and, you know, whatever, write something up and put it out. I Maybe it's AI generated. It's I, somebody told I me that it, he's got somebody that writes happened. his tweets for him. They're not, yeah. they're not deep, let's put it that way. There's not a lot no, there. Oh my There's God! Some robot and some machine typing up these. <laughs> I'm looking at Magic's Twitter account, and he tweeted out the other day, or AI tweeted out the other day, or somebody who tweets on his behalf tweeted out the other day, and I did not see this. Walter Davis passed away. Do you remember Walter Davis? Oh yeah, yeah. Played for uh, North Carolina. Played for North Carolina. Played for the Suns. You know, had a good NBA career. God, how yeah. how old? He couldn't have been that old. No, I mean I, I would I would Your guess age, right? 
No, he's much older than I am, but I'm going to guess that he, I would think he was in his 60s. You know, he was born, he died at 69 years old. 69 years old. Tommy. Really? He. So he's my age. He was my age. Yeah. He had, he was part of one of the most incredible comebacks in college basketball history. Down eight with 17 seconds to go, North Carolina and Duke. This is 75, maybe. Um, they No three-point line. They scored eight points, and he banked in about a 40-footer at the buzzer to force overtime, and they ended up going into overtime and winning. These are the early days of my memories of ACC basketball, and Walter Davis was a big part of it. I mean, he played on that Olympic team in 76 with Dean. Um, Steve Shepard from Maryland was on that team. There were a bunch of Carolina players on that team, Phil Ford, uh, Tommy Lagarde, um, Walter Davis, who am I forgetting? I want to pull up the 1976 basketball Olympic team right now. John Thompson, by the way, was the assistant to Dean Smith on that um, Olympic team uh, in 76. Remember, in 72, they lost to the Russians in that controversial yeah. ending. In 76, they came back, so that would have been Montreal, right? 76 was Montreal. Yeah. And um, the coaching staff was... Uh, I know John Thompson was Dean Smith's assistant coach. Uh, I just got, I just have a list of the players. Well, that, that's fine. The list of the players were Tate Armstrong from Duke, Quinn Buckner, Indiana, Kenny Carr, NC State, Adrian Dantley, Notre Dame, Walter Davis, Phil Ford from North Carolina, Mitch Kupchak, Tommy Lagarde from North Carolina, four North Carolina players, Scott May from Indiana, Phil Hubbard from Michigan, Ernie Grunfeld was on that 76 Olympic team. Wow. And then Steve Shepard, the Bear was his nickname, was a really good player for Maryland in 76, was on the team as well. A lot of ACC on that team. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven ACC players on the 76 Olympic team. And they they did not lose uh, at all, and they won the gold medal. Walter Davis. Rest in peace. Uh, so, anything else about magic and the AI and uh, generated? No. Are you? No. Do you really think they're AI generated, or that somebody that yes. just isn't a big sports fan is? No, writing? those are AI generated. Really? Nobody writes that stiff. Is Not all even of, people who don't know what they're talking is about? Is all of the AI generated news stuff? Is it really stiff? Is it very just sort of matter of fact and factual and to the point? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's in its infancy stages. They haven't reached the Lavero style yet, but they will someday, I'm sure. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, okay, so Chase Young was introduced to the Bay Area media yesterday. They played Jacksonville. They didn't play last weekend. They had a bye week, so he got traded during the 49ers bye week. And there were several things um, – that he said, I'm going to play for you this one quote, uh, and then we'll respond to it here in a moment. You know, Nick Nick is here. Um, you know, always been a big brother to me, um, even at Ohio State. Um, you know, I'm just stepping in here for, you know, today. Um, got in here last week. Um, just the culture, um, the vibe um, is a lot different. Um, 
you know, I definitely know that I'm 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 going to build with winners. He then followed that up. So you know, he says, you know, the culture, the vibes, a lot different. I definitely know that I'm in a building with winners. Um, and then the next one, and I don't have the sound of this, so I'm just going to read it to you. He was asked if he can tell the difference in the culture of the locker room so soon. And he said, just the players, the spirit in the locker room, the spirit of the coaches, it's just different. It's kind of that same thing at Ohio State where it's like you're expected to win and it's just like that vibe of we're going to win. You know what I'm saying? So it definitely reminds me of Ohio State, but obviously it's going to feel, you know, there are grown men. I'm just excited to be blessed with the opportunity to be uh, with this franchise. And then one more Um, on if anything has changed or affirmed what he thought about the 49ers now that he's here. The culture, I see why they win. Just the details of each play, the details of my assignment are much more greater, so I see why they win. So uh, this got a lot of attention because I'm in a building with winners. The culture is, you know, different. The vibe's different. Why is it different? The players, the spirit in the locker room, the coaches – you know, um, you're expected to win, that kind of a thing, be ble- you know, et cetera. So what do you think? Well, first of all, he also said he found out about the trade through social media. <laughs> he did? Yes, he did. <laughs> so uh, some things never changed in that building, I guess. Uh, the other thing is he basically called his teammates, his old teammates, losers. He said, this, this, this locker room is different. They feel like winners. Well, what's the difference between winning is losing. So the guys he just left, he basically called them losers. And he called the, the locker room a bunch of losers and called the organization a losing organization. And he's not wrong about that. You know, that's that last part. But, you know, look, the team took their shot at him when he left. He took his shots back. There's no doubt the team took their shots at him on the way out. Um, they, you know, they leaked those uh, criticisms of him anonymously. And it's funny, I, I didn't have the same reaction. I, I watched this um, early this morning, um, and I just saw a guy that was just trying to say really nice things about the place he was in. And if anything, there were more shots at the coaches than his teammates. I I know he said the players, you know, and I'm in a building with winners. Um, and it was a question to what's different. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I don't. I think that he. I don't know. I I I think if somebody said, "Do you consider your teammates in Washington?" to be losers, he wouldn't double down on that. I don't think that well, of course that's not he what would. he – Well, what do you mean? Why, of course? You just said he called because, his because team he, I mean, losers. You could say, he's he not going to come out and blatantly say they were losers. Well, that's kind of what you implied you say, that he did. If Well, because that's what he said. If, okay, if, well, then he if said you're it. In a so why wouldn't he double down on now, it? If you're, because that would be stupid to blatantly say it. You no. could say it subtly. Okay. You could say – I'm in a locker room. I can feel the winning here. That's what's different. Mm-hmm. Well, what would be what's different from winning except losing? I he I, there was some subtlety to it. 
That's true. I also think that there was just, and it, it I mean, I'm projecting. Um, there was just yeah, an intent. Bit. Well, it might be a little bit, um, and 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 it might be a lot because I think you think it's a lot, uh, and that that was sarcasm. But I think that, um, I think that he's just not the smoothest of communicators necessarily. He's not a big talker to the media in general. Uh, he's a big towel waver on the sideline in games he's not playing in. Um, but I think he was just trying to say, hey, this place is great. And I think in the back of his mind, I do think that the coaches, you know, and the line about the details of each play, the details of my assignment are are much more greater. So I see why they win. I, I think that if anything, there was a more subtle or direct shot at the coaches versus the players. I yes. Think, yeah. I, I think there was. But he hammered everybody. Um, somebody did ask him at the end uh, the question that I asked early in the season, and then I found out that, you know, this is what he wanted to do and the coaches weren't necessarily thrilled about it, which was another reason – you know, the coaches are to blame for some of this, too, because they let him do what he wanted to do. But somebody asked him in, in, the, in the press conference out there why he stands up, um, you know, rather than is down in a three-point stance. Why, why is he in a two-point stance? And he said, it was a comfort level with certain things we had to do in the defense. I'll keep it there, closed quote. Uh, I don't think they were happy about it. Then again, they were the coaches, so if they weren't happy about it, they should have made him do it. They should have made him get him yeah. get down in a three-point stance. And if he didn't want to, then they should have benched him. Uh, but whatever. Um, and oh, the follow-up was if that would be something that would carry over to this defense, and he said, no, I don't think so. So, I mean, maybe the San Francisco coaches have actually said to him, yeah, no, in our 4-3, you're not going to be uh, in a two-point stance. You're going to be down in a three-point stance. We, we won't accept sort of the, your, your preference for that. We, we think yeah. uh, we're better off with you doing it this way. Um, okay. I mean. Sets up a nice little showdown. Not that you needed one. When the 49ers come to play Washington. Yeah, if he's, you know, hopefully he's healthy and playing well. And um, they, they, there was no thank you to Washington note from him, unless I missed it. There was a very nice note that Montez Sweat sent everybody on Instagram to DC. Did you see that? Yes. Uh, but I've not I seen I like any, Montez Sweat. I always liked him. Yeah, I don't see that there's anything from Chase Young yet. Boy, this thing, as as contentious at times as we were told it was over the years, what became super clear and was not clear to me, I don't think it was clear to everybody on the beat either, um, is just how desperately they couldn't wait for the trade deadline to trade them. I forget if I asked you this on Friday or if I asked Jay Gruden or somebody else about this. What yeah, I think it was Ben Standing. What if, what if San Francisco didn't offer basically what amounts to is almost a fourth round pick because it's a compensatory pick at the end yeah. of the third round? What if they said, nah, we'll give you a conditional sixth rounder? I think they would have taken that. I wow. 
I think they would have taken anything. Well, you know something? If they had done that, you would have heard a lot more talk about Sam Howe. <laughs> well, and you would have you would have had a lot <laughs> He'd more talking about Sam Howe for two hours straight. And there would have... would be if they took a conditional sixth rounder. Well, for him. I'll ask you. I already answered it. What if they didn't get an look? They were already, you know, concerned about the reaction to a late third round pick. All right, which shows how desperate they were to move on from him. What if it was like, you know, now the best we can do is a fifth rounder or a conditional fifth or sixth? Do you think they would have taken it for Chase Young? I don't think they. I don't think they would have. <laughs> Look at. I think they would have sucked it up and just finished the season with him. They were. Su- I mean, like you said, he was playing good. But they were falling all over themselves to bury him anonymously once the trade went, went I down. I know. They but wanted him rounder, gone. That would, be, that would be too much. Not even Sam Howe could handle that. I think that every time Ron mentions Sam when Sam's not asked about, somebody should say, Ron, we didn't ask you about Sam, but I do have another question <laughs> about Chase Young. Who leaked those quotes? Because I thought his answer was rather disingenuous last week. Yes, it was. Well, most of what he says these days is disingenuous. Um, because to act as if he were surprised by that when Mike Silver was... Yeah. Look, Silver could have gotten it from Del Rio. Silver could have gotten it from a lot of people in the organization, which is true. He was here. So he knew a lot of people in the organization and a lot of people on the coaching staff. But, man, did they want to move on from Chase Young. There is no doubt about that. And maybe maybe he's in a better spot. I heard Logan Paulson said this to me um, the other day. He said, you know, or no, it was Santana. Santana said to me, sometimes, man, you just, it's so hard to play in your hometown. And it just is better to get the hell out of Dodge, basically, and away from all of the people that want to really suck up your time. And, you know... He made a – whoever gave him the advice back in 2021 to, to be the only player out of 90 to not post for an OTA day, uh, we've gone through this a million times, but yeah. stop taking advice from that person because that was bad advice. All right, we got more things to talk about. We will get to them right after these words from a few of our sponsors. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's. Well, you know, we often refer to here on, on the uh, Sports Fix podcast as uh, the menu of excellence that we have to offer. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we believe in that. Yes. It's the only kind of menu that we offer. It's a buffet style, okay? but it's a, it's a great yes. buffet. Yes. Now, Shelley's Backroom also have, they have multiple menus of excellence in food, drink, and cigars. And they always post their daily specials 
on social media. You can find Shelly's on Twitter at Shelly's Backroom, and they also have an Instagram and Facebook page as well. And today's special uh, at Shelly's Food Special is Baked Smoke Gouda Burger. Now, here's something I didn't realize about Shelly's. They have a custom blend uh, beef. It's a combination of Angus round, ground chuck, mm-hmm. beef short ribs, and beef brisket. So it's not just something you buy uh, in the meat uh, section of the grocery store. This is a custom blend beef for their uh, bacon smoked Gouda burger. Now, they also have, which would be my favorite, chicken parm sandwich. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of my go-tos, chicken parmesan sandwich. Uh, and that would be mine. And let's remember something about Shelly's Back Room. It's the only place in Washington where once you're done with your meal, you can top it off with a cigar. 1331 F Street Northwest. Go to Shelly'sBackRoom.com for more information. Great spot. Uh, great spot for all of the sports that are going on these days. They've got you know multiple TVs. Great conversation if you don't want to watch the games. Uh, but tonight you get college basketball tipping off for Maryland and Georgetown. Terps and Ed Cooley's Hoy is tonight, uh, Tommy, tipping off their 2023-2024 seasons. College basketball got started last night with Michigan State losing at home to James Madison in overtime. I mean, if you're a James Madison student or Alum, man, these days are great days. I mean, your football team is ranked, what are they ranked this week? 19th, something like that? They can't even go to a bowl they're game. They're pissed so off stupid. at James Madison because they can't play in a bowl game. It, and their basketball team took it out of Michigan State. They're 21st, 9-0 and um, in the recent uh, polls, both of them. And last night they went in and beat Izzo and Michigan State, the number four team in the country, in their building. Izzo loses typically a lot of games in November and December, but Naki reminded yeah. me this morning, not at home. He usually, you know, those are usually neutral floor games or true road games. Uh, but apparently Madison's supposed to be pretty decent in basketball this year. Good for them. As far as Maryland goes, uh, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not up to speed on Georgetown. I, I just, I mean, I'm a big Ed Cooley fan. Always have been. I'm sure this first year will be a tough year as he, you know, puts in his new. Uh, you know, culture and and gets players in. Um, uh, but Maryland is not ranked preseason. I I I I care about that because I'd like I like to see them ranked. Um, but it doesn't matter in college basketball because they have a tournament with 68 teams uh, that decides the whole thing. But they were picked by the Big Ten writers to finish third in the Big Ten. So I don't know how they're not ranked, but. Um, they should be pretty good. You know, Dante Scott came back. Jameer Young is back. Juju Reese is back. Uh, they have a, a team uh, with incredible incoming freshmen, including Deshaun Harris-Smith, one of the top players in the country from the WCAC, Paul VI. Um, and they have another guy that they're very, very high on. Uh, they think he is going to be one of the best shooters in the league as a freshman, Jamie Kaiser. Um, they, they're pretty loaded 
And I would be very surprised if this isn't a team that finishes in the top four or five in the Big Ten and ends up with, you know, four, five, six seeds, something like that when we get to March. I mean, it's a definite tournament team. Um, But excited to see the Terps tonight uh, on BTN+. Plus. That's how I got to watch the game tonight. Um, And then they play Davidson on Friday night and the winner of UAB Clemson on Sunday in a little tournament in Nashville, North Carolina. Davidson, lefty's old school. Yeah. Um, Bob McKillop, one of the best coaches, you know, for years at Davidson. And then a week from Friday night, they go to Villanova uh, and play on their on-campus arena um, in a in a big early season uh, tilt between the Big East and the Big Ten. Um, so, I, you know something? What? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. No, I heard. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I I met somebody uh, uh, who's been to Providence recently. I don't know how true this is, but he said they have anything and everything that's displayed, uh, you know, uh, trophies, posters, anything that's displayed with recent Providence teams on them around the publicly. They've got Ed Cooley's name taped over. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, a lot of bad feelings up there. Yeah. I know. And there were there were stories about how he had had his house on the market for a while and that he was ready to roll. Um, that's too bad uh, because he did a lot for them recently. They were more relevant in the last you know four, five, six years than they had ever been. He's one hell of a coach. Um, it'll take time in the Big East for sure. Uh, I think you know I've seen them you know picked out of the twelve teams or eleven teams in the Big East, like ninth, tenth, eleventh, somewhere around there. Um, and Providence should be, I think, decent. Uh, I forget um, where I saw them, but I think I saw them in the top four or five. I mean, the team in the Big East this year is going to be Marquette. Uh, UConn lost a lot of those players off the national championship team. Um, Nova should be improved, too, with in Kyle Neptune's uh, second year there. Uh, college basketball, I know, is not the favorite of everybody out there. Um, it really is amazing how the sport Tommy even in the time that you and I have known each other you know going back to like 2006 2007 and when we started to do the show college basketball in November December January February kind of irrelevant it's a one-month sport for most people now it's becomes a pop culture phenomena in March because of brackets and the tournament but, you know, sports fans in general are not paying attention to college basketball in November or December. It's diehards like me only. That's all that's left. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's well, been, if that's the case, maybe they should expand the uh, tournament since people only care about the tournament. Or maybe start the season later and have the tournament in April you know, where the at least your conference season is when football season ends or a big portion of it. I mean, that's the problem is football. Football basically, you know, takes sucks up all of the air in the room. And it's not just pro football, it's college football too. So from and it's year round, but it's certainly through the Super Bowl. And once you get to the Super Bowl, then people start to pay attention to things like, you know, college basketball and who's going to be in March and the NBA and, but you know, everything has, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I mean, look at the World Series. I know you 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 like to say, well, it was the most watched thing of the night, but man, I mean, I I think a lot of people that used to be into the October Classic didn't even know it was going on this year. Baseball has become a much more regional than national sport of interest, like hockey in a way. Yeah, like hockey. Speaking of hockey. Nicholas Backstrom, I guess, is going to be done for the year with this, you know, hip. And most people believe that he's going to retire um, and that that will be the end of the Nick Backstrom era. And I had uh, Ben Raby on the radio show this morning, and he's like, and this was shocking to me. Do you know Backstrom only made one All-Star game? I know. I know. I find that stunning because I think I, I write about Backstrom in tomorrow's Washington Times. And I think he's had possibly a Hall of Fame career. That's what Ben but he said. He only has one All Star appearance. Yeah, that's what Ben said. Ben said he, he's a he, it's, he's a potential Hall of Famer, and he only had one All Star yeah. appearance, which is crazy to me. Um, it and, really is. And then he said, like, there's really no discussion that Backstrom is on the Mount Rushmore of all time Caps players. It's Ovechkin, Backstrom. Rod Langway, and then you can debate who's fourth, but those are the three that are absolute givens. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. Ovechkin and, and Backstrom, they were Butch and Sundance. They played together uh, ever since they've been in the league. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a remarkable thing. And now Ovechkin, who's only got two goals this year, has to, has to do the chase for Wayne Gretzky without Sundance next to him. Right. Um, all right. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, we've got some breaking news here. You... Speaking of Ron Rivera and quarterback decisions, ESPN is reporting that Carson Wentz is signing a contract with the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, my God. Adam Schefter is breaking the news. <laughs> oh, Carson Wentz back in the NFL. Matthew Stafford must be done, man. Oh, poor Matt Stafford. He started off the season, looked pretty good. Um, Carson Wentz, and that's Sean McVay making the decision on that. Well, you know, the whole backup situation in L.A. is really kind of mysterious. You know, because they drafted Stetson Bennett right. this year. And he initially, they liked him. He looked good early. But then he left the team for personal reasons right. early in the season and hasn't been back. Why has not? Why has Colt McCoy not been signed? Does, have you talked to your I son? I don't know. Maybe he didn't. No, I, don't, I haven't talked to him in a while. Maybe he doesn't want to play. That's what I was thinking. Or maybe he's hurt. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he just doesn't want to play. Because yeah. I kept thinking last night, if he were the Jets quarterback, they would be so much better off. So yes. much better off. Yes. And by yes. the way, so he, maybe he doesn't want to play. And and with Sean McVay signing Wentz, don't you think McVay would have reached out to Colt before Wentz? Yes, I would think so. I would think so. It's got to. It's got to be. He he doesn't want to play for whatever reason. I'll do some digging. Do some digging on that. The uh, the Ra- the the Rams clearly Matt Stafford's not healthy again. We're probably seeing the end of Matt Stafford's career. They got the Super well, if Bowl, this though. Is the, if this is the case, this sets up a potential Carson Wentz versus Washington Commander showdown. Oh, that's right. They got the Rams out in SoFi yes. in December. 
Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you got Wentz, and then a few weeks later, you got Chase Young coming back. Chase Young. I mean, oh, all, can, the bad, all the bad ideas are back. I mean, maybe RG3 will sign with the Jets, and we can play him on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else? I got nothing else for you today, boss. Wow. Wentz. I did not think anybody would sign him. I didn't think anybody, not after last year. All right, we are done for the day, back tomorrow.